In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, Lent is a time for public fasting. It's a season that Christians have designed in the church here to help us to remember our own weakness and mortality and to also meditate and think upon the suffering and death and resurrection of Jesus. In the Old Testament, public fasts were commanded, but in the New Testament, it's optional. And so we fast in freedom and not out of obligation. Now, to fast means to abstain from something, typically food or drink. And Christian fasting means to replace the time normally spent on those things in prayer, reading the Bible, singing hymns, in devotions, something like that. When we fast, we deny ourselves the things we want and the things we need. This is called mortifying the flesh or subduing it. Fasting trains us to get the upper hand on our body so that our body doesn't get the upper hand on us. And that's important. Our bodies are used to getting what they want. If our flesh gets the best of us, if our bodies control us, if our sinful heart is stronger than our willpower, then we're in great danger of giving up the gospel, the word of God for the things of this world. This is what St. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. He says, For as I have told you often before, and now say again, even with tears, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. So understand this rightly. This isn't saying that fasting will earn you the kingdom of heaven. Nothing but the blood of Christ can win us God's favor. But what this is saying is that many have given up the kingdom of heaven for earthly things. For things that pass away. Things that turn to dust. If our belly becomes our God if we glory in our shame, if we set our minds only on earthly things, then we will become enemies of the cross of Christ. You see, the world submits to their bellies and to their desires. They glory in their shame. They set their mind on earthly things. Whatever they want, they get. Nobody tells them no. Nobody can tell them what to do. They are their own gods. They make the rules, and they follow them. And it's not simply about food or clothing, something like this, but the very commands of God. They marry whoever they want. They divorce whenever they want. They sleep with whomever they want. They take away the life of any child they want. They're overcome by addiction to pornography, drugs, alcohol, so on. Their God is their belly, their appetite. They are slaves to their own desires. And so we should make a distinction between us and the enemies of Christ. We don't submit to our belly, to our stomach, to our appetite, to our sinful desire. We should struggle and fight it. We don't glory in our shame. We call sin, sin. And we should never, ever be proud of any one of our sins. We should be ashamed of them, embarrassed 
of them even. We shouldn't parade them around in defiance of God or talk about sin flippantly with others as if it's no big deal. And we should do this so that our only glory is found in the cross of Christ. We set our minds on things above, on heavenly things. So we draw a line in the sand between us and the world. The world is its own God, but we remind ourselves that God is God and no one else and no other thing. And so one of the best ways to dethrone yourself, to bring yourself down from the sense of entitlement and the complete autonomy that you ascribe to yourself is by fasting. When you do this, you tell your stomach who's in charge. Your belly doesn't rule you. God does. Your sinful heart doesn't have dominion over you. God does. Your sinful desires don't call the shots. God does. You're to constantly put your flesh, your heart, your stomach, your desires, your appetite, your comfort, your leisure, your entertainment in check. You put yourself in your own place as a creature before God. You aren't in charge. You don't make the rules and your body is not the Lord. Christ is the Lord who has bought you, achieved you, and has you. Fasting reminds you of this, even with great pain. So this is a a hard lesson to learn, but it's necessary. We need to remember that our hearts are not in control. In fact, our hearts need not be followed, and they should not be followed. Rather, your heart needs to be disciplined and trained to submit. I'm sure that this is going to be quite controversial, but I'm going to say it anyway. The, the, the worst advice you can ever give or receive, one of the worst things you can tell your child or your children is to follow their heart. Is to tell them, let your heart lead you or do what your heart tells you. But Jeremiah chapter 17 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Your heart by nature is sinful. That means the thing that feels most right, the thing that feels most natural, that comes, that, that's most joyful, most comfortable in your flesh, in your heart, every single time is going to be sin. Left to itself, your heart will take you away from the Lord, not closer to him. Your heart is sinful without any prompting or false teaching automatically. It wants what is contrary to what the Lord says. Remember how Eve fell into sin. She followed her heart. When Eve saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She didn't care what God said. She followed what she desired. Whatever was pleasing to her eye, she took. Whatever she wanted, she got, and her heart led her to sin, disobedience, and death. And this, too, is the heart that we're conceived with. Jesus says, the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these things defile a man, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. These are what defile a man. And remember, your parents didn't teach you to lie or to be disobedient or to cheat or to worry, to steal, to be lustful or angry. You knew how to do that very well on your own. 
it was your heart that taught you those things. So we need to stop following what our hearts tell us and what our bellies want. So take a moment to think about this. When has following your heart or your impulse or your gut uh, gone well? How many times has your stomach or your comfort, your appetite, your lust, your anger, your impulsiveness, entitlement, pride, ego, when have these things called the shots and it ended well? Think of all the things you've done out of impulsivity. How did that go? Think of the things you've done without thinking, the things you've screamed out, the vile things you've said, the messages you've sent to others, the filthy words that come from the lips, the same lips that receive the body and blood of Christ, the filthy words, the embarrassing things you've done. Are any of these things to be proud of? Are you proud of them? When you, in, when, when, when you sin, are you thinking? of Jesus and his love, or are you thinking of your neighbor and his, how you care for him, or in all of your sins, were you thinking of yourself, were you doing what your heart wanted? Our hearts are not good in and of themselves. We need to control them and not let them control us. And like I said before, fasting is good exercise in doing this. Yes, of course, fasting is not required, is not mandatory, and fasting doesn't earn us anything from God, not one thing. Only the death of Jesus wins the approval of God. No good work, not one good work, period, earns anything from the Father. And yet, while knowing that, Lent is a time when Christians have decided voluntarily to teach and discipline their flesh and to learn to master their hearts. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, I discipline my body and I keep it under control. In fact, that's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. Control yourself, subdue yourself, mortify your flesh. And, and now there's a, a number of ways you can train your flesh and learn self-control, right? You can give up chocolate or beer or go to the gym and work out or cut caffeine from your life. To, you can turn off your phone and social media. You can give up TV. You can give money to others. You can give up any number of things for a time and learn to live without it, learn to not depend upon it. But the one thing that the Old Testament and the New Testament have taught us is the most effective thing in fasting is giving up food because there is a physical pain that accompanies it and you feel that. It's a deep pain and it's a constant reminder that drives you to pray, to cling to the words of the Lord to survive. It reminds you that you're mortal. We shouldn't simply brush fasting off as some sort of superstitious Roman Catholic sort of thing or just laugh about it and diminish its importance. There are at least 50 different instances of fasting in the Bible, in the Bible itself. We shouldn't just say, look, I'm Lutheran, so I'm free. I'm not going to fast. I'll just do whatever I want. I'll continue doing what I want. Okay, yes, that's true. You are free. Christ has won your salvation. But are you using the life of Christ as a way to simply live your life however you want? 
Are you just using it as an excuse to not, to, to, to not even try to subdue your flesh, to not even attempt to mortify your body? If you, and, and think this through, if you really can do whatever you want, then why don't you do it? Why don't you fast if you're in so much control? Why aren't you more generous? Why aren't you more content? Why aren't you less angry? Why aren't you more patient? Why aren't you more loving? Why, why don't you eat less? Why don't you stop spending money on things you don't need? Why don't you help out more and volunteer more and do more? Why don't you do devotions more? Why don't you come to church more? Why aren't you more loving and kind? If you are so free as you think you may be, then how come these things don't come easily to you? Well, the reason you don't is because you're not in as much control as you think you are. And fasting brings that out. I'm willing to bet that those who brush aside fasting altogether or see it as something that you'll never do because you don't have to for whatever reason, I'm willing to bet that it's because you're a little too comfortable in your flesh, a little too home in this world, and that you really don't like the thought of denying anything to yourself. I'm fairly certain that those who laugh at fasting or don't think about it are the ones who have a very hard time hearing the word no. I'm guessing that you probably get a little bit angry when things don't go your way and that you have a hard time composing yourself if someone disagrees with you or that you get passive aggressive if somebody doesn't let you do whatever you want to do. I think there may be things that you are growing a little too attached to. I'm willing to bet that there's something you think you can't live without right now, something that has captured your attention, something that is constantly on your mind. Maybe for some of you, you are falling in love with something a little too much, that it's getting the best of you, that it's a habit now, that it's taking over you, that it's controlling you, taking time away from you reading the scriptures or praying or going to church and helping others. What is it? Is it food or shopping or sports or entertainment or laziness, your phone, work, your body, your image, any of these things? Now, if you have a hard time voluntarily giving up a meal here and there or technology or leisure or time or pride or whatever else. What does this tell you about the strength of your will? If your heart has trouble giving up little things like this that are so insignificant and useless for your life, what does it say about your heart? And do you think that you can abstain from sin? Do you think there's a moment you don't need to repent. Do you think that you can afford to go a day without God's word, that your heart is strong enough to survive without the word of God? Or do you think you can afford to neglect the preaching of the word and receive the Lord's Supper? Whatever you're clinging to in life more than the word of God, give it up. Repent and change your mind and change your life. 
The purpose of fasting is this, is to show you how weak you are, how difficult it is to give up the comfort of this life, and how much you really need the Lord to do everything for you. You begin to feel the poor condition of your heart. You need to learn how weak and sinful your heart is so that you can cry out for a clean heart, a new heart, a right spirit within you. You need to practice saying no to yourself now and let go of clinging to the things of this life so that you will learn to cling to the one thing that makes you prepared to leave this world to turn into dust when your final hour comes. And the one thing that prepares you for this is the blood of Christ the Lord who forgives you your sins. You are weak, but the Lord is strong. And your salvation does not depend upon you, but upon the Lord Jesus. Remember and never let it go. He gave up everything in this life, everything he had around him, everything he had in him for you. He fasted in the wilderness. He fasted from the pleasures and comforts of this life so that you would receive a crown of glory. He is merciful. He forgives your sins and he doesn't count them. So don't take refuge in yourself or anything else in this world. During this season of Lent, and even for the rest of your life, learn to mortify your flesh and restrain your heart from doing what it wants. When you fast, don't do it for show. Do it to remind yourself that you are a sinner who is very, very weak, and remember that Jesus has come to give you eternal life. And when you're tempted to be proud, humble yourself and repent, run back to the arms of your dear Lord. When you feel yourself becoming stubborn and cold, when you don't feel like coming to church, when you feel like staying in bed, then subdue and mortify your sinful heart by running back to church quickly and taking the body and blood of Christ. Conquer your heart. Don't let it cling to anything else more than the Lord. So stay awake, be sober, fast from whatever is claiming your heart, because these things will turn to dust. But the word of the Lord endures forever, and he forgives you. And let your heart depend upon and confide in and rely on that alone. Amen. Hear the words of the hymn we just sang. Therefore, my hope is in the Lord and not in mine own merit. It rests upon his faithful word to them of contrite spirit. That he is merciful and just. This is my comfort and my trust. His help I wait with patience. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.